0: Welcome. I am your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMA and joined by my guy, John Stargarian. You guys can follow him at MMA Fox, as you see there on the screen. And we are here propping you up for UFC Vegas 39, headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Marina Rodriguez probably better serving of what we got compared to next week with uh, i don't even want to talk about that yet but me and john will talk about that uh next week with that said uh, i do believe we're going to be doing an early start time for next week's card or was it the one after that john next week, next week next yeah, week next week yeah so we'll be that. doing either tuesday well more than likely tuesday as long as we got props so make sure you guys uh, uh stay tuned and i'll make sure i'll tweet it on john will obviously tweet it out as well uh john just a quick scan through of the card what are your thoughts here
1: I think this is one of the worst cards of the year, to be completely honest, both from a betting perspective. And I mean, I get I mean, there are watchable fights, but there's watchable fights every card, right? There's nothing here really that I'm looking at and going, Oh, I really can't wait for that. I guess Marina and Dern, just because I'm kind of curious at the dynamic of that fight. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, but we'll break it down. Look, I mean, I'll watch it. It's UFC, right? But of course, it's not, it's definitely not the most excited I've ever been about a card.
0: Yeah, I completely understand what that is. Shout out to our guy Hot Hands Right off the bat Uh, You know, admitting that he was wrong With uh, the Slecky and Jared Gordon He goes, okay, I admit I was wrong with Slecky boys Call me all the names you want Still had a big one on the night Cassius, I Lec-y have to admit
1: something two, three. Go for it I Go was right me. about Jared Gordon <laughs> <laughs> hotheads you still
0: have a spot in the uh in the chat here because i do respect guys that come back and actually own up to it something that you do not see often in youtube we always have to come here and, and talk our fights on a week-to-week basis and i know john as well they recap their bets the the prior time whenever they do the show club and sub podcast wednesday nights at 10 p.m eastern link is in the description below make sure you guys go and give them some love and uh subscribe over there uh but then it's the commenters that are just they just they just disappear they just they fucking disappear <laughs> i forgot who it was there was one the other week uh oh uh Earl Smedich and Jaden turner got absolute shit on on my my solo podcast there like a whole thread people were making that Medich is going to run through turner and then like three guys came back and they're like lock you were right i apologize <laughs> i'm like good <laughs> awesome where are these other motherfuckers that are talking shit or are still talking shit? uh before we move on i do just want to quickly drop the last call pretty much on our dog of the night challenge which uh the deadline is actually on sunday i see a bunch of people in the chat already talking about dogs for this card uh the d- deadline is sunday Uh, first event will be the October 16th card. If you guys are interested, make sure you guys slide in my DMs, whether it's IG or Twitter uh, at MMA LOTN on both. It's pretty much you pick one underdog for the next 10 events um, and you give them one, two, three units, uh, accumulate the most profit, and then whoever ends up in the top three gets paid out with the prize pool. So if you're interested in that, Make sure you guys sign up my DMs. We're already at about thirty-five in the twenty-five dollar game, twenty-two in the hundred-dollar game, and we got a new five-hundred-dollar high-stakes game. Uh dogging the have night, about, sorry. For dog of the night, yeah, five hundred dollar Yeah, we got thirteen people signed up for that already. So
1: okay,
0: <laughs> if, if, if that tickles your fancy, John, hit me up. Brother. <laughs> All right let's keep this thing uh let well let's just get this started let's not waste any more time we got a 10 fight slate for you guys so we'll see how long it takes us to get through this first and foremost we got my favorite fade of all time charlie onteveros going up against steve garcia we obviously have onteveros plus 275 minus 235 against steve garcia very interesting aspect about this fight is both guys coming from different weight classes and meeting up at 155 pounds charlie always a uh, or sorry, it was a one year in the past, uh, did fight Kevin Holland up at 185 pounds, although he did weigh in at 182 pounds, came in on short notice, took it up a weight class, and now he's, uh, coming back down. And it seems like that this is his first time down to 155 pounds in a long time, uh, compared to Steve Garcia. 35 or 45 or now will be a 55er and seems to have a decent enough frame. Like he's not all shredded or or cut up yeah. or anything like that, but he seems like that seems to have a good enough striking game to go out there, uh, and even grappling game to go out there and give a guy like Charlie Antevera some issues. I'm not the highest on playing Garcia at minus 335 is he going to be in a couple of my Hail Mary parlays probably because I just I don't think Artaveras has much of a shot here other than uh, uh a flashy knockout or a Hail Mary knockout um but I do <clears> like uh Garcia here one thing I was and somebody brought this up to my attention they're like Jackson Wink product when's the last time we heard about Jackson Wink yeah, you know, I mean, can you remember the last time a super gym has fallen off as much as Jackson Wink has?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. It's like Jackson Wink still gets talked about like it's ATT where people are like, oh, this guy's training at Jackson Wink now, but who's the last guy who's actually good that was training at Jackson Wink? I think you're on It's boy. literally
0: Jones, Holm, uh, Dodson. Jones- I don't even home. know if he's still there. Uh, if you want to go even deeper, Khalid Murtazaliev, Mart- who fought on uh Bellator the other week and ended up losing against Anthony Adams, like it's very much dwindling. It is not a hotbed like it used to be when you when you used to have guys like Arlovski yeah. and even Overeem going down there. A bunch of guys that used to be on the team and now they have left uh shop there. So Steve Garcia is one of the shining stars down there. Is all you need to know. But with that said, I think he's uh, uh, he's enough of a star to go out there and beat a guy like Charlie Otavera. So in terms of odds, uh, one that actually caught my eye is the under two and a half although it's not the widely available line roughly around minus 160 i don't think it's a bad shot fight doesn't go to decision minus 205 don't mind that either and then specifically speaking garcia by ko uh minus 115 i like what he brings to the table don't really think artivera has much of a shot if you do think he does it's probably not by knockout which currently sits at plus 600 i'm not taking that sprinkle though john how do you feel about this one
1: um I, I don't know. It's weird because like I kind of was high on Steve Garcia coming into the UFC. I actually bet him when he fought Luis Pena in his debut, and he looked horrible in that fight. Yeah. Obviously, that was a terrible bet, uh, and it was concerning for a number of reasons. Because one of the reasons I was so high on him is because he seemed like, you know, he had a lot of regional experience. and He was fairly well rounded. He fought good competition, and so it's like you know he's a better boxer than Payton. He should take care of business. And then proceeded to get his back taken three times without having a takedown hit on him but I mean largely I agree with your take I think um I guess the weird dynamic here is because on a technical level I think Garcia is operating at a different level than Ontiveros is if I'm being completely honest both in terms of grappling though I don't really expect uh, Garcia to really attempt to grapple here and you know striking in general I just think he's much better and I think he's much more sound defensively and so you know in terms of the line I guess skill-wise it's about right for me the big concern is like Troy O'Neill, I mean, he was just, he fought Holland at 185, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And he waited yeah. at 182. Well, right. So, I mean, he's not a 185er, but, you know, he did get booked in a short notice, you know, spot against Kevin Holland. And Garcia, if I'm not mistaken, I think he fought Joe Warren at like 145 back in the day. You know, he, you know, he is not a huge lightweight by any sense of the imagination. And so you do have a guy in Ontiveros who's coming down, um, you know he's fighting 30 pounds lower than where he was in his last fight and you have garcia who isn't big for the division and in a fight where i do kind of expect while i think garcia is the more technical fighter he's not afraid to go in there and bite the mouthpiece and let his hands go in the pocket and that just kind of makes me nervous especially when you're looking at a line like minus 300 it's like i don't i i, I don't want my minus 300s going in there and being there to take shots you know uh and so, you know, I think if you were to make a money line case, it would probably be I'd probably make a case for Onavero. So I have no interest in betting it. Uh, in terms of props, like I think you hit it on the head. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think Onavero has only been to a decision once in his entire career. Uh, he's pretty much been the epitome of kill or be killed. There's a bunch of KOs, and he seems very, very fragile. Plus, you know, he's just he's reckless defensively. He's there to get crushed in the pocket, and so I, I do expect, unless Garcia decides to go away from his bread and butter, which has been his boxing throughout his entire career here in wrestle, um, I do expect that they're going to strike here. And if they strike, it's very, very hard for me to imagine that this doesn't finish in the 70, 75% range. And at minus 160-ish, that's like 63%, I think. And so I think there's a decent amount of value on the under here. I do like that. But I say, if Garcia doesn't grapple, you know, just like I said, if Johnny Walker doesn't decide to play conservative like he did last week for the first time in his career. So you never really know, right? You know that's the that, that that's the unknown there. Um, I thought we had agreed upon
0: not talking about that main event, John. <laughs> we talked about it before we came on on live here. That's
1: all I wanted to discuss about it. No more, no more. But I do like the under here. I think violence is yeah. a great spot. These guys are going to throw down in all likelihood, and I don't think Barros has the uh, the durability to tank the damage for fifteen minutes
0: uh i will say this i forgot to say it at the top of the show 1 p.m eastern pre or sorry 1 30 p.m eastern start time for this card so don't get caught mapping this weekend which i probably don't. this weekend 1:30 p.m eastern start time yeah. so okay. nice and early for us i believe it's back to a 4 p.m eastern next week uh but yeah nice and early for us so make sure you guys stay tuned for that john what are you drinking over there
1: i am drinking a new jersey octoberfest from a local new jersey brewery so, nice. uh, it's not bad yeah what do you got on what do you got going on you want to take a guess if you say an energy drink i'm gonna be upset nice i respect the white claw move i, I i'm all about the white claw so <laughs> i'm here for it again not much of a
0: drinker obviously more of into the uh the greenery or the shrubbery if you want to call it <laughs> but i'm i'm getting this feeling of i always want to have at least a drink or two when i'm on yeah. with you so you're, you're you're somewhat of a bad influence in terms of the alcohol <laughs> consumption that's that i'm going to be doing on uh, every thursday evening on a fight night week uh is what it is cheers cheers so every thursday every thursday two to three beers not the end of the
1: world Uh, Maybe maybe one seltzer,
0: John. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. God damn it. I will smoke a fat J after this, though. I will do that. All right, let's uh, keep this train moving along. We got Lupita Godinez going up again. Short notice, Silvana uh, Gomez-Juarez. Just for the sake of the show, I'm probably just going to stick with Juarez So since we don't need to go through all three names. In terms of odds, I did see Bet Online originally dropped uh, Lupita Godinez as a minus 600 favorite, uh, and then she got bet down to about that minus 300 range she's currently at <clears throat> my opinion Lennon's still a little bit too wide savannah uh juarez is not this crazy uh short or sorry this this bum of a shortcomer. she was actually scheduled to go out there and fight on the contender Series this coming week uh and then they pulled her out to step in here against godinas who obviously lost sam hughes though to due to a cornerman testing positive for covid uh once running the tape you'll you'll see a couple you know familiar names on a record most notably ariani lipsky where she actually went over there to poland during the peak of that lipsky era over there the queen of violence era and went off of five hard rounds with her you know she she they they uh pretty much a striking battle the entire time uh lipsky did a good job in terms of kind of keeping her on the outside and kind of getting her to react to lipsky it almost seemed like juarez was like starstruck in a sense like there she may have given her a little bit too much respect there but now at 36 years old 10 and 2 exactly double the amount of experience that Godinez is bringing into the cage here i think this is a good shot for her to go out there and pull off an upset in her ufc debut Godinez, decent striker she's actually fought up here uh up to up in my neck of the woods against lindsey Garbad, who was very old at that point in time but uh had a boxing background and transitioned to mma a little bit too uh too late um I I think that the level of competition the skepticism that i had on the wire side you can almost put on the godina's side a little bit too right vanessa demopoulos not really turning out to be what a lot of people initially thought she was going to be uh Lindsay Garbett, like i said transitioned to mma a little bit too late and godina's were out there and still did work against her um and then the jessica penny fight just putting herself in, in precarious positions like over and over again knowing that her best shot is probably just staying at distance crashing forward landing a couple shots and getting back out but she just ca- keeps ending up in the clinch positions keeps ending up up against the cage, you know, very raw and green in her career, still, right? That's something that we can say. Now you got Juarez, uh, a, a striker, a hard-nosed striker that could possibly give her some issues, too. I don't mind a dog shot here on Juarez, and I don't mind her uh winning this fight via decision as well. Uh, unfortunately, according to Best Fight Outs, we don't have many props to work with here. Over two and a half, minus 260. And then they just have Godinez inside the distance plus three ten. Godinez by decision minus one oh five. I'm gonna be keeping my eye out for Juarez by decision. That's the prop that I'm kind of leaning on here, and I can't wait to see what they price that as. I'm pretty certain how I know how you feel about the specific <laughs> matchup, so I can't wait to hear you break it down and and uh hear what your thoughts are on this fight
1: yeah so like i'm on the opposite side of you here i haven't made a bet yet i i do like in terms of looking at the props i, I like the good by decision at minus 105 i uh, i had I, I mean i obviously i bet jessica penne and godina's debut against her so i obviously had some concerns about her coming in but part of that was you know penny's a big big girl for the weight class and she's a girl who like yeah, she got destroyed by Joanna Janjacek and Jessica Andrade. But other than that, had fought a lot of really good fighters and hung pretty tough with them and beaten some of them. And so I just thought, you know, that just didn't make sense for a debut. But I am fairly high on Godinez's game. You know, she is fairly well-rounded. She has, she keeps a fairly high output. She's an excellent boxer. And I think, you know, one of the things like the most, I think she's fairly defensively sound, you know, we've seen her get hit at times when she's slowed, like, you know, the second half of that Demopolis fight, which by the way, if you guys haven't seen that fight, that's actually a great fight. If you see the second half of it, it just turns into pretty much an all out war, which you don't get in WMA very much. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, I see it. It's funny because when the Horrors line came out, I saw it and I'm like, oh, Ghanini is minus 600. That probably makes sense. I haven't taped this girl. Then it came down to minus 210. And I was like, holy shit. You know, I have to take a look at this. Uh, And so I looked at the fight and I I do kind of see what people like about Horrors. Like obviously for a girl who's been fighting strictly regionally, she is very very technical you know her shots are pretty straight you know she seems to have a clue everywhere what i don't really like is first of all like you touched on you know she she has fought two fighters who of decent caliber but she's lost both those fights pretty cleanly and you know since then she's been fighting really nothing but cans and while she's made some of it look pretty easy i haven't really liked the way what happens when she comes into the pocket she throws a lot of her kicks naked her head tends to be pretty stationary and she's pretty okay to exchange shots in the pocket there And so when I look at this fight, it's like I know, I'm pretty sure Loopy's a better boxer, even if technically they might be close. But where I think there's a huge gap is I think the defense of Gaviria. She just has much better head movement here than Juarez does, and I think her output's a lot more reliable. And I also do think if anybody in this fight has grappling upside, I think it's Gaviria's. Now I wouldn't lay. Minus 300 on her, where she is right now. But I do like the decision line. It's kind of funny because Guadineas gets talked about as like a power striker a lot. And I saw a lot of Gudinias KO takes when she went to fight Pene. But is I don't believe as a KO, either as an amateur or a professional. Uh, you know, she hits, she throws high volume and she throws hard, but I don't think she generates a lot of power for whatever reason. And so I don't really expect the KO. And I do think Juarez, if she does get put on the mat, is defensively responsible enough so that a submission isn't particularly likely here so i like the canadians by decision if you get that around even money like i'm seeing minus 105 right now i'm probably going to take that if i get that on one of my books i think that's a pretty decent spot
0: yeah i like that spot as why well. i do i i did kind of skip on the fact that i do think that godina's has mm-hmm. grappling upside in this matchup if she actually decides to go out there and implement that yeah. uh but You know, I I wouldn't be surprised to see her go out there and just try to go strike for strike and see if she can now volume uh, Juarez in this spot. Uh, Last thing I want to say about this matchup, if you guys haven't seen Juarez's last fight, it's on Fight Pass probably the worst refing i've ever seen in my goddamn life with that uh with the referee trying to help out the the other opponent uh completely getting whooped on having her leg chewed up you know th- there's instances where you see the ref- referee helping her back to her feet so she can continue the fight in the middle of the round like absolutely agreed just takes this so if you guys want to see some crazy refing, make sure you guys go check it out again it's on fight pass all right let's move on to the next right here we got charles rosa going up against damon jackson in terms of odds we're looking at minus 190 for jackson plus 165 there turn on Charles Rosa now initially when the the fight was announced I saw the lines and all that stuff I was like the under seems like a pretty damn good spot in pretty much any Damon Jackson fight 24 <laughs> fights only one of them going to a decision you know, I mean even the Merzad Bektik fight finishes him in the third round after making a tremendous comeback in his UFC return as well I remember cashing that round three prop as well that was probably one of the one of my highs uh, of my betting career I would say but with that said um it's hard to th- not believe that uh jackson's going to be able to ground this fight when he wants like i think he'll be able to get the takedowns he'll be able to grind out rosa we've seen rosa have issues in terms of getting back to his feet kind of you know dealing with takedown defense and all that type of stuff and although he was a locker than i played for me last time around against justin james that motherfucker made me sweat way more than i should have especially considering the skill deferential that i was expecting to see in that fight james had a pretty very good third round i should say that was probably the round that i thought he would be weakest in. but knowing that he had like 20 grand riding on himself i'm sure you want to fight (laughs) to the best of his abilities and he still came up short there but charles rosa definitely looks like he's diminishing in terms of his skills uh good jujitsu um good jujitsu defense as well as we've seen he's been in tremendously close and tight submission attempts from his opponents and has been able to kind of gut it out in the striking room one thing i always notice is when he's in the southpaw stance likes to kick a lot more like you can even hear his coaches yelling out wonder boy and all that stuff but when he switches back to orthodox more of a boxing based style so it's kind of easy to read what he's going to be doing based on what stance he's in uh, and in his striking on. but with that said I don't think he, there's going to be much opportunity for him to be switching stances or striking in this spot because I think that Jackson knows his best way to win this fight is to get the fight to the ground and then he's going to be trying submission after submission after submission and as we've seen historically speaking Charles Rosa is really good in terms of defending those and getting out of it gutting it out whatever it may be so i do like the fight goes to decision all of a sudden minus 150 ish i do like that jackson via uh decision is roughly around plus 165 as well i like jackson in the spot man he's going to be a leech just like his nickname and i expect him to do exactly that this weekend against charles rosa how do you feel about this one brother
1: yeah it's like a weird fight because you know i saw the opening number and when i saw the opening number which i think was like rosa minus 140 i was like yeah that makes sense and then you know money starts coming in on jackson and i'm like Fuck, i'm definitely playing charles rosa plus 150 because i've always i've always been a lot higher on rosa i think than the market has at large um and look i faded him in spots i played minner against him but you know, I, I've always kind of just been like, I think people underrate Charles Rosa. You know, people forget Charles Rosa was up two rounds to zero on Shane Burgos, you know, and then got yes. finished in round yes. three. Like, I bet him against Kevin Aguilar. Rosa's a good striker. He's janky as fuck, you know? Like, it doesn't look pretty, <laughs> but he gets it done, though. Like, even yeah. the James fight, outside of him getting hurt by James, you know, that was pretty much one-way traffic on the feet. Like, it didn't yes. look, you know, he got hurt by him, yeah, because James hits really hard. But, like, I think Rosa, people are like, he's a bad striker because you know it looks ugly but like Elias Theodoro it looked ugly and it was always effective too right and I actually think it's kind of like a similar style the problem for me with Charles Rosa is and this is the problem I but it is like his fights have become so predictable it's just like okay. does guy check grappling box if so what are the odds you <laughs> get subbed from guard <laughs> if the answer is not good probably don't bet Charles Rosa right yeah. because Rosa just it's so frustrating to you because it's like the guys are Ricardo Laborio black belt so in theory he should know what he's doing. He should be able learning at ATT for as long as he was yeah. there. This guy should know how to get up off a takedown, right? And it's not like yes, yeah, some really good guys have held him down, like Bryce Mitchell holding you down. I can't get on your case too much for, uh, but like Dennis Siever passing your guard fifteen times and holding you down for eleven minutes, I can get on your I can get on your case for that, right? And like I know that was early in his career, but not a whole lot has changed in the time since. And so it makes for an interesting fight, right? Because kind of to your point, Jackson's gonna come out here and try to wrestle it. Like if Jackson stands with him, I think Rosa is going to do bad things to him. Not saying he'll finish him, but I do think you know Rosa is going to be the clearly the better striker in this matchup. But you know he doesn't. He is fairly easy to cut off, and he just he doesn't even have like basic takedown defense downs. He's very easy to take down, and on the mat, it's like. I think Jackson holds him down. My big question with Jackson in this fight, though, is what does his cardio look like if this goes past two rounds, right? Because, you know, it's very easy to say Jackson's going to go down there and control him for 15 minutes, but look at Jackson's career. Most of the guys he's finishing are early in the first or early in the second round, right? He's going out there, he's taking backs, and he's finishing guys. And I do think he's going to get Rosa down here, and I think he's going to get dominant position, especially early in the fight. But... At this point, I've seen Rosa in three deep arm triangles from good submission grapplers and not get tapped yet. You know, he's not going to give his back up to Jackson. And if he does, he fights hands well. I'm pretty confident unless Rosa gets badly compromised on the feet, he's probably not getting submitted in this spot. And so the question becomes, can Jackson do that for 15 minutes? And maybe he can. But we also saw when Jackson fought Kevin Aguilar. You know, Jackson basically was winning that fight, controlled him for a full round in round two, and then gassed out and got finished. And I don't think... That's out of the realm of possibility, especially because I expect Jackson to continue to pursue the takedowns. And Rosa, you know, while good guys with good cardio and who are good on top aren't going to get subbed from bottom, if you get reckless in there, he will throw submissions at you and put you in danger. And so I do think there's a chance that, you know, after the first six or seven minutes, this could start to get dicey and maybe scrambles become live and maybe he can get a dominant position or Jackson just stops hitting the takedowns because he's gassed out. But again, I couldn't bet Charles Rosa here. I said it before we fought Derek Minner and it's like, I know Minner gas is out every fight, but when a guy's going to concede dominant position, it's not that hard to keep your cardio together. And that's sort of how I feel here. If Jackson's smart, he should be able to ride him out on top here with no problem. Um, I get a Rosa bet. I'm just not for me to be honest. Uh, and I, I get a Jackson bet to be honest. So what I like here from a prop perspective is minus 150 goes a distance. You know there is some chance Rosa could sub him late, but I think the chances of Jackson finishing Rosa on the feet are very very low. I think the chances of him finishing Rosa on the mat are very very low. And considering I expect Jackson to spend the majority of this fight in the dominant position, and I don't think he's likely to finish there, minus 150 seems like a bit of a gift to me to be honest
0: want to say this a line that actually just caught my eye as i was looking through it uh rosa by ko at plus 1000 considering the
1: That's not bad.
0: right the considering the the skill difference in the striking here if rosa you know manages to get back to his feet and jackson does start slowing down he might either kick to the face here and plus 1000.
1: and jackson's been up jackson's been finished a few times yeah he's gotten mm-hmm. flatlined a couple times exactly very sketchy chin
0: and durability on him yeah. uh but it all depends on if rosa can you know, stop takedowns or get back to his feet effectively (laughs) enough. So, (laughs) Exactly. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here. We got the return of King Kong Romanov going up against Jared Vandera. Uh, In terms of odds, as you expected, minus 700 for Alexander Romanov, plus 500 on Jared Vandera. I will say this. I tweeted out earlier this week as well. If you told me Jared Vandera was going to go out there and outstrike Justin Tava for 15 minutes, I would have muted you, blocked you, unfollowed all of that (laughs) shit. And then i would have quickly reversed after the flight because i would have looked like a complete dumbass but with that said how many people were actually expecting vendor to go out there and be or have striking success against justin toffer right if they say so they're absolutely full of shit because I'm pretty sure, and even I broke it down. I felt the way for Van Der to win that fight was use that Dan Henderson wrestling clinch style that he has uh kind of using and try to drag this fight to the ground. But he did it's like he didn't even attempt to take down. It seemed like his game plan was I'm gonna put combinations out there. But anytime Justin Taffer throws anything at me, I'm gonna throw two or three more shots to kind of double him up and triple him up in strikes. And that's exactly what he ended up doing that night. His cardio looked great. But you could also kind of attest that to the fact that it was just a striking battle. There wasn't really any clinching or grappling going on to really, you know, suck out the gas tank of a guy like Jared Vandera. Like when he fought against, uh, you know, fellow countrymen like Alexander Romanov, Sergei Spivak. A lot of people are expecting a similar fight here where Romanov to go out there and just take Vandera down, overwhelm him, and get him out of there. But, man shit will get fishy if this hits round two and three which is why i'm not willing to make that minus 700 on romanov at this point in time. i do have a multi-event parlay with him Did on it now yeah it's up there, shit. You, uh, see that reaction there john <laughs> leads me to believe after this podcast we're gonna get a vendor a bet from you it's all i'm gonna say. <laughs> with that I no plans to, but i'm like now i'm like blown away <laughs> <laughs> uh with that said um Romanov rounds one and two Vandera round three plus two thousand has my eye i want to take a little bit of a sprinkle on that round three because i feel like Romanov, as we saw in the juan espino fight good god did he slow down and we all know oscar grammy worthy performance with that nut shot because it looked like it tapped. Right. like i know they're showing like the slow-mo replay which makes it look worse but if you watch it in real time it was like a, it was a legit tap let's be yeah. honest it was, it was a legit knee tap to the cup he quit he, he was looking for a way out he found a way out and that's not a good look for a guy who had the image of king kong romanov going into that fight with that said if he goes out there and just absolutely demolishes bandera in the first round or two i think people are going to soon forget about that which will for us analysts and cappers and and guys that look for edges will be beneficial for us when he goes out there and fights somebody even better and who could survive that early onslaught from him and then start to take over later in the fight with that said Uh, easy props here, in my opinion, right? You take Romanov round one, uh, minus 105, or Romanov round two, plus 475, and then just have that uh, insurance on Vandera in round three, which is currently sitting around plus 2,250. I'm seeing plus 3,400 on FanDuel, which is absolutely insane. Uh, In terms of an official prediction, though, I am going to go with Romanov. I'm going to say second round TKO, similar to what Spivak was able to do, Um, but I am hesitant with Romanov it's very hard for me to to back a guy with a sketchy gas tank especially at heavy chalk odds how do you feel about this matchup brother
1: let me tell you something Mark. there is a spot on my wall an empty plaque with the name <laughs> Roman up on it that is waiting for his scalp and it will be there one day this I can promise you okay I don't think it's gonna be Jared Vandera that gets it there though okay uh, <laughs> I do I am shocked that he's minus 700 if I'm being honest yeah. like to the point that I'm like I mean should I just poke Vandera for posterity and just, and just see what happens. But like, if I hadn't seen the Sergey Spivak fight, a plus 500 would be an automatic bet here. The problem is, you know, Spivak's an okay grappler, but he's nothing special. And he looked like world-class when he got on top of Bandera there. Vandera just didn't have a way to get up. And... You know, we know for a fact that what Romanov is going to do is he's going to come and attempt takedowns pretty much every second the fight is standing. Like to beat Romanov, you have to do one of two things: you either have to be very good at defending takedowns, or very, very good at getting, or I think, good at getting off your back. I don't even think you need to be great, but good at getting off your back. Unfortunately, I don't think Vandaria is good at either of those things, <laughs> and so you know what we're going to get is someone who just plays right into Romanov's game. Romanov's going to go there; he's going to take him down; he's going to get on top of him. And he's probably going to smash him. I will say, kind of to your point, I think if Ender can provide some resistance in this fight, you know, in the clinch or whatnot, or deny the takedowns for a bit, maybe instead of, like, you saw Romanov go, I mean, deep into the second round against Roque Martinez, but Martinez yeah. on his back all the time. If he can maybe make him work for the takedowns a bit, you know, you might see a dynamic where Romanov starts to slow down here bad, and eventually, you know, the tide turns. But I'm not too bullish on it happening, and I'm not too bullish on Vandera defending those takedowns. So, I don't think this is going to be the guy that we fade Alexander Romanov with. I'll tell you what, if I don't bet Bandera and Romanov loses here, it's going to be tragic because (laughs) we will never get the line that I want (laughs) against him. Uh, In terms of a prop, I'll tell you what I like. You know, Romanov's kind of been known as like a submission grappler for that forearm choke. But yeah, I was chatting with somebody this week about it. You know, the one thing I'll say for Bandera's grappling is he did a pretty good job fighting off submissions against Spivak. And I don't think... It's funny because like he does submit a lot of guys, but I actually don't think Romanov's submission game is anything special at all, if I'm being completely honest. I it's think she's British. Like Yeah, yeah, British. Exactly. That's exactly who's getting forearm choke in 2020, 2020 <laughs> in the UFC, you know? Exactly. Marcos Delema, who I bet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you'll never uh, live on that one down john no you'll never
1: do no. i was huge on him too <laughs> Yeah, i remember that
0: i think we had a discussion about that fight before it happened i think it was september last year right yeah holy fuck back. it's almost been a full year god
1: damn but what i will say is i do think you know he's gonna finish bandera but i think you know ko being up at like plus 180 ish i think i've seen between like plus 160 and plus 200 depending on your book but i think that's pretty good because i do think that's I think it's much more likely than submission, if I'm being honest, and I think Vandera finish is probably 85 to 90% of his win equity here. So I like the Vandera by KO here.
0: Yeah, that's actually not too bad. I just noticed that as well. Submission plus 145, KO plus 180 very interesting i do like that angle there but that's a that's a good way of trying to maximize that minus 700 yeah. with his best <laughs> win condition all right let's move on to the next fight here we got uh chris gutierrez going up against philippe Kalarish. this is the prelim headliner if i'm not mistaken in terms of odds we're looking at uh where is it uh, minus 240 for gutierrez plus 200 on felipe clars and i've already taken a half unit stab here on philippe Calarish at plus 215 i feel like he's a really good spot now A lot of people are just absolutely shitting on the guy, right? Very hittable. Okay, yeah, sure. Never been finished in his career. Uh, Manages to move forward. Uh, Even in the Montel Jackson fight, even though he's getting hit with everything in the kitchen sink, the guy's still fighting pretty hard in round three. I mean, he's still going forward. Manages to attempt at least eight takedowns over his last four fights inside the UFC, which is all you need to know in terms of his knack to go out there and try to drag the fight to the ground. And what does Chris Gutierrez do best, right? It's his calf kick. If you take away that calf kick, what is he really good at? He's a decent striker, don't get me wrong. Has you know, okay, but low output, low volume, needs that calf kick to be successful. And it just came since the Vince Morales fight, right? He was yeah. a an abysmal fighter before that, the Geraldo de Freitas fight. He was the underdog, <laughs> right? <laughs> like it just Wasn't and he even like, that fight
1: against Hayoni? Uh,
0: who um sorry, Gutierrez. Chris Gutierrez was against uh, Barcelos. Yeah. Uh, he was just pulling it up here uh minus 550 barcelos plus 425 Chris yeah. Gutierrez again that's barcelos so that is barcelos yeah um with that said you know he again the, the Vince Morales fight is where everything really start to change for him and a lot of people started giving him the respect that a lot of people thinks he deserves right <clears throat> goes out there goes to a draw with Cody Durden where Durden has tremendous success in that first round gets a 10-8 and then short notice up away class is not able to com- complete more than one takedown in the second or third rounds there, which is why we end up getting a, a draw in that fight. And then he goes out there and fights a striker and Andre Uhl, who you know, leg pretty much on a silver platter to be chewed up there. And that's exactly what happened in that fight. Now you're getting a guy in Felipe Kolaris who's just going to be crowding him the entire time, right? He's not going to stay at that, that range. He's not going to give him enough time to uh, administer yeah. as much damage as he's been able to do in the past to these fighters' legs. And again, say what you want about Kolaris being uh, super hittable. I'm not worried about Chris Gutierrez knocking him out. The last time he finished anybody with strikes, was Jimmy Flick, like three or four years ago, and we know what Jimmy Flick striking is like, <laughs> right? yeah before that it was like years before that right we obviously know it gets harder and harder to put guys away with strikes the further you get into your ufc career and i think that clarice will be able to eat everything that this guy throws at him but continue to move forward close the distance push him up against the cage drag this fight to the ground hop on the back if he needs to i think he's got it man i think the decision prop here is a damn good way to go for felipe clarice uh i believe it's sitting at plus four excuse me Plus four twenty for uh Klars to win by decision. That's my favorite prop on it. Uh, a little bit of a sprinkle on Klars by sub at plus seven twenty five is not too bad. You know, obviously Gutierrez sub by Hani Barcelos again. Two completely different fighters. Barcelos obviously much better than what Klars brings to the table. But Klars still a black belt can still threaten, can still really pressure this guy. I don't understand the Gutierrez love. I just saw people throwing him into parlays uh, throughout the week, and again, I, I don't really understand it. This is a bad stylistic matchup for him, and this is almost an a market overcorrection, in my opinion, on Chris Gutierrez, where it's just like, okay, he had a good performance against Andre, where he tore up that leg, striker, beat Cody Durden on short notice, where he got 10 80, or not beats right drew with Cody Durden, where he got 10 in the first time with grappling. Geraldo de Freitas was close to getting that decision. That was, you could have easily made a case for a yeah. de Freitas in that fight.
1: What am I not seeing here, John? Uh, I might, put- <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Tell me. I like pre-tape, you know, you and I were chatting earlier in the week about this. You mentioned, you like, Kalarish and I hadn't taped it yet. And because, like, in my head, pre-tape, I was like, I, I might just lay the chalk with Gutierrez. Like, because the, the image, the lasting image in my mind about Felipe Kalarish, it's not the Luke Sanders fight. It's not the polarity fight. It's not even the Newsom fight. It's like Montel Jackson is big brothering him. And it always makes me think in my head that, like, Kalarish just really can't hang athletically. Even though what my head should be saying is, Montel Jackson is an athletic freak, and that's all he has. And, you know, Kolaris just has a huge athletic disadvantage there. Um, but after I looked at it, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm very anti Gutierrez in general. Look, he's an elite leg kicker, no doubt about it, but he's a specialist, right? You know, I bet Vince Morales against him because in my head, unfortunately, he didn't play out like this. I'm like, if, after Morales eats seven or eight kicks, he's going to say, okay, I need to bite the mouthpiece. And once he gets in the pocket, he's going to kill this guy. Um, and I still believe that to this day. If Morales just forced a pocket fight, he would have absolutely killed Chris He's Gutiard. He's staying in uh, kicking range and striking right. range, right? He only threw like nine strikes the entire fight. It was crazy. Uh, but, you know, and almost the same thing with Ewell too, right? Like had Ewell been, if Ewell had a better gas tank and was a little more aggressive about going forward, I think he probably handles him. You saw early in that fight, whenever Ewell let his hands go, he was touching him. Um, I think Gutiard is a one-trick pony. The thing is, MMA as it is today, and it may not be like this in five years, Very few guys check kicks. And so having that specialist ability is enough a lot of the time unless guys are tough and they're going to go forward on you. Now, Kalarish is going to go forward on you though. Um, He is going to go forward. He's going to try to take you down. I question a little bit whether about the physical strength aspect and whether he's a strength to drag him down but i'll say this you know you mentioned it to me earlier in the week and if you guys don't follow him john kelly dfs actually posted a pretty interesting thread about this today on twitter and it was basically just kind of showing how easily Goodyear has been put down once he's been forced into the clinch and that is kind of clarious game you know i would say Luke Sanders is probably a better wrestler than Chris Gutierrez, which I know sounds like blasphemy because it's Luke Sanders. But Luke Sanders is actually a pretty good wrestler. Yes. I think I believe he's a division one wrestler. And you know he was getting taken down by Kolarish late in that fight. Montel got taken down by him and got his back taken. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, Gutierrez is at minus two fifty is crazy. Like the guy to justify that line, basically has to look at the Morales fight. I don't. If Kalarish doesn't just stand there and let him kick him, which I don't expect he will. I even think the boxing exchanges have a chance to potentially be competitive right here. You know, I don't think Clarish is much of a boxer, but I don't think Gutierrez is as much of a boxer either. And all the grappling is in Kolarish's favor here. So like, I do make as a slight favorite just because, you know, that one we- he has the one elite weapon, I think, in the entire fight. And I think that is enough to justify a favorite, but I'm gonna probably bet Clarish here. And I, in terms of props, I agree. You know, we had Durden on his back for a while. Uh, goodier has gotten grappled by a couple guys and not gotten subbed. Barcelos as well, Valyev. You know, he does defend submissions well, but, you know, I, I'm i not sure he works up if he gets taken down here. I think he probably gets his back taken. Uh, I like the decision prop as well. I think plus 400 for something that's probably closer to like plus 200 is a great deal.
0: Yeah. Glad we're kind of on the same page there. I do remember having that discussion with you earlier this week, <clears throat> excuse me, and you had you hadn't touched uh, touched the tape yet i'm like as soon as you touch the tape you're probably gonna see <laughs> <rather> And <than> <laughs> luckily i was right on that aspect so uh yeah if gutierrez can go out there and live up to that minus 250 price tag great but that will be dependent on Kalarish obliging with the distance kickboxing fight and that's not exactly his style eight takedowns per fight you know that's absolutely crazy so very interested to see how that one plays out so we got one dog there I am picking four underdogs on this card to win on this 10 fight card that is I believe the second one that I've chosen looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the other ones because Next one is coming right up as the curtain jerker for the main card here between Phil Haas and uh, De'Ron Win 325 on Phil Haas, plus 265 the return on De'Ron Wynn. And before we do get into this quickly, hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then obviously go over there and show Johnson love with the club and sub podcast every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Link is in the description below. Make sure you guys go sub to his channel and follow along with him and his buddies as they break down the card for you guys every week. All right. This fight here between two seeming wrestlers, right? We got Ron Wynn with a wrestling background, Phil Haas with a bit of a wrestling background too, which leads me to believe when we have these types of fights, they'll more than likely be taking place in the gra or, or the striking realm, right? Like guys are going to have to be forced to, to go out there and strike unless... You know in the fight we find out that one guy is a much better wrestler than the other guy and he's able to kind of control that top position we haven't really seen phil haas off of his back which you know i'm not really having much confidence in that he'll actually be cut off of his back but the same can be said about Duran win right both of these guys whenever you have wrestlers coming into the mma world it takes them a while to really adapt that uh that jujitsu game especially off of their back now in the striking round, one thing that we can all agree on especially if you watch the tape here Phil Haas isn't the greatest greatest off of his back foot. It seems like he gets hurt almost every single time a fighter is forcing him to, to to move backwards. Luckily for him, he's had the grappling and wrestling advantage in his fights, where he's been able to take these guys down. Or in the Emovov case, which I still don't completely understand, because we saw two completely different Nasraddin Emovovs yeah. from the Phil Haas fight to the Ian Hines fight, where you know in the Emovov fight with Haas. He just kept getting wrapped up against the cage, didn't seem to have any knowledge in terms of how to disengage from the clinch, get on the outside and get a striking going again. Because anytime they're at a distance, he was letting him up close to finishing Oz on numerous occasions. Uh, and then in the Ian highness fight, he just absolutely flips the script and destroys Ian highness in that fight. Um, and then the next fight for Hawes, Kyle Dawkins. again, Phil Hawes coming in as a very slight underdog, plus 110, but has his wrestling to kind of bail him out of bad situations. Kyle Dawkins, not as good off of his back as a lot of people expected him to be, myself included. I had the under two and a half in that fight, considering that if Phil Hawes did take this fight to the ground, I thought Kyle Dawkins would be able to throw up a submission and catch him. But credit to Phil Hawes, his cardio held up enough- In fairness-
1: Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. But in Go fairness, I don't think Doc has had the gas to throw up a submission by the time he went down, to be honest. Because, I mean, and who expected him to gas there? Well, I mean, who right? expected EPO Haas to show up either, right?
0: Like, I thought, like, I would slump <laughs> over and fucking eat shit, right? But he has showing improvements. So it's give him that credit. But with that said... I think he's going to struggle here against Ron Wynn in terms of, especially if this fight goes later, because he can't desperation takedown anymore. Like this is, uh, it reminds me of Edmund Shabazian against Darren Stewart. Completely different stylistical matchups. But Edmund Shabazin had the grappling advantage in that fight. And when that was stretched into the third rounds, gassed out of his mind, he was still lucky enough that he could take down Darren Stewart. When that happened against Derek Brunson, couldn't take him down and got absolutely blasted. Kind of similar here in Deron Wynn, but that, with that said, Deron Wynn, not this crazy knockout puncher either, right? He, he's wide winging with his hooks, kind of uses it more as an intimidation factor to push his opponents back into the cage and then start working for the takedowns there. I think Deron Wynn's going to go out there, try to push him up against the cage early in this fight, try to wear on him, and then try to be more successful with the takedowns later in this fight. But both guys have skeptical gas tanks. Yeah. For me, this should not be minus 325. This is a huge overcorrection in terms of Phil Haas, plus 110 against Kyle Dawkins. Goes out there, beats him in a decision, and now all of a sudden he's minus 325 against Deron Wynn, who used to be a pretty heavy favorite back in his uh, his prior fights, too, right? Goes out there, beats Antonio Ohio. Good, good win for him, but Ahoyo dog should take down defense, so he was able to get bailed out there. For me, it all depends on what Phil Haas look, looks like and what his cardio looks like if he's uh, forced to strike for 15 minutes, and will he be able to defend takedowns the later that this fight goes flip side is the same kind of question with deron win but does that really make it a minus 320 worth for phil hawes in the situation i don't think so and people want to continue to rag on deron win being five six at this weight class but the guy's pretty much been undersized his entire career wrestler fucking ufc fighter pro mma fighter and he makes do with it and i think yeah. this is another situation he'll be able to take uh take uh heat or take advantage of that so uh deron win Uh, decision, obviously, is probably what I'm leaning with most, plus 470. Uh, The overs in this fight aren't too bad either. Over 2.5 and minus 105 is kind of what I'm seeing. Um, And you you know me, John. You know me. I gotta look at that round 3 prop for win. Plus 2150, maybe. But I just don't know if he has that knockout power. It's more so gonna have to come from Haw's exhaustion than anything. How do you feel about this fight, brother?
1: Well, first of all, now, Duran Wynn was closed as a favorite against Darren Stewart. He closed about minus 150 against Gerald Mearshardt. Would you line Phil Hawes at minus 300 or 350 against either GM3 or Darren Stewart? Or even close to that?
0: maybe against stuart but not against gm3 because of the submission threat at all times oh, from GM3. Minus
1: 300 is such a big line like right? That's a
0: ridiculous line
1: like when i see that it's like you either have to have fought nobody in my mind to be a plus like 270 to someone like phil hall it's like you have to be like jacob malkoon who he knocked out in 18 seconds who had four fights all against australian bums, and came into the ufc and got knocked out but like I'll be honest, this is going to be a hot take. I don't think Haas is the better grappler here. I think he's a reasonable grappler. My issues with Wynn, I think Wynn is actually an excellent wrestler. Like, if you actually look at his entries and his takedowns, he is operating on a level that most guys in the UFC aren't. The problem is, as a grappler, he's quite poor, if that makes sense. He's a very good wrestler and he's very good at getting the to the mat. He just doesn't really have much to do when he gets it there. And on the other side of things, it's not easy to take down a guy who's five foot six, especially if you're six foot one. Like, if you wrestle at all, Getting, like, you know, I wrestled that I was always short for my weight class. You know, it's much easier to get it on someone's hips if you're, if you're five inches shorter than them and if you're five inches taller on them. I don't really see Hawes having a ton of grappling success, and I could see Win having it. Um, look, I touched on the fact that Win was a favorite against Sham3 and Stewart. And look, I bet him in both those spots, and I was wrong in both those spots. But the bottom line is that wasn't for no reason, you know win is undersized like you touched on but he does have a style that kind of works at this level for winning fights which is on the feet he's kind of going forward and trying to throw output and other than that he's attempting takedowns constantly like his work rate he's always doing things his actions per minute are quite high yes his gas tank can be sketchy but you know we saw it last fight you know even round three against ahoyo yeah you know he was tired but he was still going forward and attempting takedowns it's not like he was slowing down at all whereas a uh, haws on the other side I don't you know I don't think Hawes is some kind of an output machine. He looked better against Dawkus, but if you actually contextualize that fight, round one was a very close round. Um, I think Hawes won it on two cards, but it was very close. Round two, he almost gets finished. He gets landed on a bunch the first minute and 40 seconds of round two, and then out of nowhere, Kyle Dawkins just suffers cardio death. You see, there's a, a very distinct moment in the fight where dog is kind of just like flops against the fence and like that's it the rest of the fight is kind of hawes walking him down but even in that like i'm watching it i'm not seeing hawes doing anything particularly sophisticated you know he's not keeping a high output he's basically throwing a jab and a body shot uh, which is fine and it worked there and like credit to him for winning a fight a decision right but I look at this fight. And I'm like, does Hawes have a big edge on minutes? It's like, maybe if he can keep win on the outside of his jab and play the outside game, but that's not really his game. Like Traditionally, Hawes's game, if he's not wrestling you, it's been to swing big bombs and try to put you out. Uh, maybe Hawes has added a new layer. And if Hawes has suddenly become a master of distance here, then he's going to be a serious threat in this division. But I'm not really sold on that at all. And so... Look, I do favor Hawes. Like, don't get me wrong. And I think, you know, both guys are hittable, and Hawes being bigger and longer certainly helps in that respect in terms of, you know, getting his shots off a little easier. And I think a Hawes KO, especially early, is very, very live. But, like, if this goes to a decision, are you confident Phil Hawes winning a decision here? Like, I'm not. I'm not at all. I I actually kind of – not kind of, I favor Wynn fairly significantly if it goes the distance, to be honest with you. Um, Because I know Wynn's going to try to force his way forward and hit takedowns. You know, one of the things I didn't keep in mind when he fought GM3 was he might not try to wrestle him because of the sub-threat, which I should have thought of. There's not going to be a sub-threat here. He's going to try to put Hawes down on the ground. Um, And I trust even if they're gassed out, look, we've seen Hawes quit in fights when he's gassed out. Darren Wynn, when he's gassed out, you know, even if he has nothing left, will keep coming. Phil Hawes will not, and I trust that. And, you know, while I think Hawes has more KO upside here, I don't think, like, Wynn can't knock him out. Hawes has been hurt in just about every fight I've seen of his. Yeah, literally, like, every fight. And so he has no good defensive tendencies. If Wynn can get in there, he's got a shot to put him out. So, like, I don't mind Hawes as a favorite. You want to line him minus 150, minus 185? Like, I get that. He's probably a better athlete. He's probably more technical. He hits harder. But, like... With all of the red flags around Phil Hawes, now he's getting minus three thirty on some books. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm betting Darren win on the money line. In terms of the fight, I think the most likely path for win is decision, and the decision line is plus five hundred, which seems fucking mad to me. So I like win by decision. I like Darren win on the fight. Phil Hawes is a flake. Maybe he comes out here and proves me wrong. Um, but whatever, we're gonna keep fading him until he beats someone I respect. So that's the <laughs> i That's will say this
0: is. the for duran wins last fight he was what plus 170 against antonio against
1: Antonio Joyo,
0: man yeah it's just i i think people like it, it's almost like he's the joke of the mma community being five six or five seven yeah. whatever the fuck he is at 185 pounds and people just saying oh you know like he doesn't deserve to be in the ufc he doesn't deserve to be a fucking middleweight but he's making it work he beat Tom lawler who I
1: know is like old, oh, but like Tom lawler is not is a decent wrestler, right? And, you know. <laughs> so Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah no i i like uh i do like when here's why well. i do have a half unit shot on him at plus 260 which i think is just a crazy crazy line as well. yeah crazy. so I, I had to take i had to take the shot there as well all right before we lose our brains i was talking about this fight and completely to getting the chat to turn on us here let's move on to the next fight we got maria agapova going up against sabina mazzo in terms of odds we're looking at minus 180 for mazzo plus 160 the return on agapova um Interesting fight here as well, right? You want to talk about, like, lines cracking themselves now? Maria Agapova <laughs> no longer a minus 1,200 favorite. I do agree with the line that she's currently at around plus 160, even if you wanted to drop it down a little bit lower to maybe plus 140 or so. But you got to believe the best way for Agapova to win this fight is, you know, take the take the, the blueprint that's been set out by girls like Justine Kish, who was minutes away from getting a win there, Alexis Davis, uh, Marina Moroz as well. Take down Mazo, Don't let her get comfortable in that striking round, but is that something we can trust Maria Agapova to do for 15 minutes or even 10 minutes? I don't know. I think that we'll see a, a drop off from her after that first round, not saying she's going to go balls to the walls just again, uh, again, like that, that Dobson fight last time around, cause I'm sure she's learned a thing or two from there. But I think that, uh, after that first round, it's going to be, be a little bit easier for Mazda to kind of get comfortable on the outside, get her strikes going. And then, you know, kind of start showing shades of that potential. A lot of people expected her to have when she came into the UFC. Um, you know, let's not even talk about the fucking Agapova uh outside of the cage antics, right? Like the bouncing around from gym to gym. Apparently, uh, <laughs> a lot of gyms kind of kicking her out. If I'm not mistaken, she's at MMA Masters now. I'm not 100% sure who about knows? that. She's exactly, who knows where the fuck she's at? But it doesn't seem like anything is really going there. And you're going to need a solid training camp to go out there and establish you know, the type of game plan to beat a girl like Mazo.
1: You know, Dulani Perry is her manager.
0: Dulani Perry, why does that sound familiar?
1: Tough, was on DC's team is the guy who's always claiming he's rich I I, I just go to with Instagram and then go to Delaney oh, yeah. Perry's Instagram it is tough to know. <laughs> you want to know how much of a mess like things are things are going like this is I'll
0: be sure to check that out uh <laughs> but yeah I, I think might has well a striking advantage I don't think that Agapova's wrestling is good enough to kind of put her on the ground. Even in the striking realm, if they want to go out there and strike. Uh, Agapova, a little bit unorthodox at times. But I think the disciplined style of Maslow is going to shine through here. I think she's more than deserving of the land that she's currently at. Uh, and I'd kind of be surprised if she puts Agapova out. But it really depends on what kind of Agapova we see here. And how she really exerts herself. So Maslow by KO, plus 480, plus 450 at certain spots. Uh, Maslow by decision. Plus 140, and that's the one that I'm kind of happy about and that I would take the shot on. Even though over two and a half minus 190, not too so bad in my opinion. I do think this fight goes the full uh 15 minutes. How do you see this one going down, dude?
1: Yeah, I mean, I like Mazo here. Uh, I I should say I don't want to say I love Mazo here, but like I better at minus 150 for a unit. The only reason I didn't put more down than that is just because. I do think there's a reasonable chance Agapova could win round one here, in which case, you know, I could just add on live, right? And if she doesn't, she's just going to get stomped out by Mazo because, you know, mm-hmm. the cardio dynamic, you know, Mazo then generally builds throughout fights and usually has her best round late, whereas, you know, we know it's kind of the reverse of Agapova. But I'll be honest, in breaking down the fight, like, I'm tr- I am try not to put too much emphasis on the Shannon Dobson fight. Now, obviously, it's important just to see her gas out. And, like, I really... I get annoyed when I see, I'm not gonna say names, but when people say things on Twitter, like, oh, she gassed herself out before the like, fight. No, she didn't gas herself out before the fight. Watch the first three fucking minutes of the fight. She went so hard and had a bunch of crazy exchanges.
0: You know you know what I think actually happened in that fight, to be honest, is I think she saw the betting lines and she kind of forced herself to be like, I need to go out there and starch this kind of, Yeah, I, I think that's what she was doing. And when it didn't
1: work out, things went no, south. No. And, and she did gas herself out but like I don't buy she has stuff out before the fight and the thing something I noticed when going back and tape for her against girls who aren't going to try to grapple her, she almost always comes out that hot if you actually go and look through her career ton of round one finishes because she comes out like a house on fire all the time she didn't on contenders because you know you really can't come out like that against Tracy Cortez because you're going to end up on your ass which ended up happening anyway um and the only other time she'd been to a decision i believe was a similar type of fight where the girl she was fighting was trying to grind her but so i wasn't overtly shocked that she gassed out there in hindsight i should say and i do think it's live to happen again and i'd expect her to come out hot again what really like so like i'm trying to put that behind me like i don't want to judge this too much through the lens of the Shannon dobson fight because after the Cipher's fight everybody's like oh mariah Agap- agapova she's going in the top five like no doubt about it right like the opinion swings so wildly from fight to fight like you got to find a medium. The thing is, I faded Mazo on her entire way up. I bet Aldrich against her. I bet Kish against her. I blasted Alexis Davis against her. What I will say, the Alexis Davis fight—look, obviously it ended up being a good bet because Davis got like eight minutes of control time and won the fight. But if you actually look at on the feet, one of the reasons I felt comfortable with Davis was because I thought Davis could hang with her standing because I didn't like that I, you know she doesn't box much, Mazo. And in that fight, that changed a lot. And it looked like she got a lot better. Like she absolutely lit Alexis Davis up on the feet in a way no one really has not Viviani Adahujo, not Catelyn Shukagian, uh, not Jennifer Maya. And so I remember after that fight thinking, man, is Davis just done? And then she goes and fights Panny Kianzad and basically goes 50-50 in a 15-minute kickboxing match with her in a crazy fight. And so it's like, no, she's not. Mazo is just finally coming into her own. She's a young girl who's getting better. She's now adding boxing to the kicks that she has. And like just watching that, I look, I get the Agapova takes. She's athletic, she hits hard. You know, Mazo can have support offensive tendencies, but Mazo's striking game is so much more diverse than Marina Marina Agapova's game is. It I in my opinion i think she is going to pretty much look agapeva could take her out in the first couple minutes but i think davis is going to pretty or mazo is going to pretty much do whatever she wants to her on the feet if i'm honest you know Agapova wants to come in there get in your face and brawl mazo actually controls distance really well with those kicks and she's not going to give her a brawl and she's probably just going to light her up plus like i said you know i think the later it goes the worse things get for Ag- agapeva and if she does come out more measured here and wants to have a point fighting fight with Mazo. That's a fight that she is just gonna get eaten alive in, in my opinion. So I really like the spot for Mazo. And like I said, I was high on Agapova and have been low on Mazo. But you know, we're talking about. As much you could say, oh, recency bias. Agapa was minus 1400 and Shana Dobson, Bazo was minus 300 against Alexis Davis. Like, Alexis <laughs> Davis is a lot yeah. better than Shana Dobson is, yeah. right? She beat Amanda Nunes, you know. So, once upon know. a time, once upon a time, but you know what I mean. That the girls yeah, having yeah. competitive fights with top five girls consistently, there's a huge difference here. Um, I just, you know, I get. People wanting to bet Agave. I don't think this is it though. I think Mazo is a girl. You know, both of them could come into their own and get better. Agapa can get better for sure. She's a good athlete. Um, but Mazo is coming into her own and we're seeing that. And she's been fighting a much, much harder strength and schedule. So I like her a lot. Um, in terms of props. I like the Mazo KO prop. You know, it's anywhere from plus 450 to plus 350. Uh, Agapova does keep her left low, and we've seen Mazo land about 30 head kicks in her career so far. So that's going to be there. And then plus, you know, if you want to get – you want to really degen with it, honestly, the plus 1,500 for round three, plus 1,400, I don't think that's bad either, to be honest with you. So I like Mazo a lot in this spot
0: like it i can tell just by the enthusiasm in your voice there. <laughs> i did quickly scroll through Aga, uh, agapova's uh ig there and it seems like she's been bouncing around most notably or at least most recently she's been at att sunrise Sun- yeah. which is not even like you know that's like one of their uh, you know she was at cover. sanford just,
1: for like a cup of coffee too yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like that's my th- you know it's funny because like if she was just at sanford or at mma masters for the last year i'd be like okay you know, maybe we could see some huge improvements, but the fact that she's been at like four gyms in the last year, it's like maybe she's improved, but yeah, yeah, you know,
0: yeah, it, it's going to be difficult. We'll, we'll see how she does this weekend, but I'd be surprised if uh, she actually comes out with her hand raised. All right, next up we got Matthias Nicolau going up against uh, Tim Elliott minus two hundred on Nicolau and plus one seventy the return on Tim Elliott. I feel like we're going to have some uh, country or some counter uh points to each other for here for this fight but i i really do like matthias nicolaou in the spot uh minus 200 might be a little bit wide for a lot of people but i do think that he can look that if not better uh if he can go out there and do what he does uh great striking uh very smooth striking crisp striker uh has some decent power in his strikes as well black belt and jujitsu hasn't really shown crazy trouble in terms of you know being submitted or anything like that on the ground or getting into too uh crazy of a of a situation for himself he has been taken down obviously in the past and that could obviously be a path to victory here for Tim Elliott but i'd be surprised if he goes out there and jordan jordan espinoza's him right that was probably a career best performance yeah. for Tim Elliott at least on the uh, latter half of his career but another interesting uh stat that i actually pulled up earlier uh before we jumped on was uh Tim Elliott Going into fights as an underdog is 0 and 5, has never been able to, uh, um, has been never able to pull off an upside, at least from odds. I was able grew. to take off, <laughs> <So he's, laughs> to say. <laughs> um, I-, I do think that Elliot will get into some trouble at certain situations here, whether it's desperation takedowns or just getting a little bit too sloppy on the ground. Um, I know this fight or this match doesn't really have too much of a bearing on what's going to happen this weekend. He did have a high rollers uh, grappling competition that he took uh, way back in July against Patchy Mix. Obviously, Patchy Mix is a very high-level jiu-jitsu player himself. And he goes out there and uh, taps out Tim Elliott in like a minute. Just, uh, just grabs his neck, wraps it up, and takes it on home with him. And I think that's something that Nicolau would be able to do in this situation as well. I think Nicolau is a cleaner striker. Obviously, we know the herky-jerky style of Tim Elliott on the feet. Kind of leaves himself open to be hit at times. Um, and and then uh, the grappling as well. If Tamele does hit some takedowns here, I'm not sure how much uh, success he's truly going to have on the ground here. And I do think that will either see Nikolau pull off some reversals, maybe a submission attempt off of his back, or at least get back to his feet, that he can go out there and do some solid work. Cardio, I think it looks pretty good for Nikolau as well. You know, a lot of people want to say that Cap deserved that third round, and he probably sure deserved to win that fight. You know, I'm not arguing against that. But considering the pace of that fight, I'm impressed with what we saw from Nikolau in that spot. He was still going out there, throwing big strikes, landing some big shots his own uh, in his own right. Cap obviously landed some pretty significant strikes here at the ending of that fight, which is why a lot of people th- thought he deserved that decision. But you know, I'm pretty sure you had money on Nikolau that night as well. I had money on Nikolau, and so I'm happy that we ended up cashing that ticket. But this fight specifically, I think this might be where Tim Elliott, where we see where his level at this point in his career he's achieved the top of where he's going to be he's going to beat guys like ryan Benoit, which again close fight in its own right as well he's going to be guys like jordan espinoza who i don't think in the ufc anymore you know what i mean i think somebody brought it up earlier this week that you know tim most of tim elliott's wins none of those guys are in the ufc anymore you know so uh I, I like nicolau quite a lot here i knew as soon as this fight was announced that i might have a play on this ran the tape very impressed with it myself i do think that nicola is a top five guy uh, flyweight just needs to flush himself a little bit more out uh, in, in the UFC now that he's back in the, in the in the spot. And I think that this is a great stylistic matchup for him. So please, do reign me with why I think
1: Tim Elliott is fought this weekend. Well, I did bet Tim Elliott. I'll say this oh, first. Oh, sorry, though. sorry, sorry,
0: sorry, John. Uh, I didn't even say props for this. Uh, I, I think <laughs> Nicolau, uh by submission, that, that's actually one that I like. Uh, Nikolau plus 420 via submission. And then ultimately uh, Nikolau by uh, decision at plus 140. But I think that sub prop is definitely worth a little bit of a shot here because Elliott, you know, a little bit too vulnerable at times in terms of giving up his neck or giving up a submission. Sorry,
1: continue. I, I did bet Elliott. I'll say this. I am... Probably the president of the Matthias Nicolau fan club. I was begging <laughs> for them to bring him back for I, It was one of the stupidest cuts that they've ever made from the UFC. And yeah. like, I think he's legitimately probably a top five guy if I'd violate now. Like if you put him and Fig in there tomorrow, I think his style would give Fig a ton of issues. Like in terms of counterboxing, like you don't really, it doesn't really get much better in, throughout the entire UFC than Matthias Nicolau, right? You know, the guy has as slick a jab and as slick a counter game as there is. I was huge on him against Cobb. Um, and I'm not even like, if this fight were to come out and end and Nicolau looked like a huge favorite in hindsight, I won't be blown away. My issue <laughs> with Nicolau here is twofold. One, um, the volume of Nicolau can be concerning at times. Now I'll say this, I think Elliot's going to put himself in Nicolau's face and kind of draw volume out of him. But the other thing is, you know, Nicolau hasn't been, and like, I probably spent much longer taping this fight than I do most fights just because I was trying to find some data on Nikolaou on his back and there's just not a lot throughout his entire career so like you had the Bruno Correa fight which was ages ago where he ended up on his back got held down and then you had about two minutes of him on his back against Felipe Efrain when he sort of got held down and one of the times he got up with a heel hook um and I can't draw like a firm conclusion from it because again you know the sample is so small but what I will say is you know i don't think Elliot. i mean i think elliot could get subbed here for sure but i don't think he's getting heel hooked or anything like that and if nicola is going to play guard if elliot gets him down that's going to be bad bad news in my opinion uh and then on top of that you know nicola hasn't really faced a wrestler throughout his career he felt dustin ortiz but he got knocked out with a head kick about two minutes into that fight before any grappling happened elliot's a very very good wrestler look elliot's got plenty of flaws he's a janky striker he's has a bad tendency of putting his neck in places it shouldn't be and getting himself submitted. Um, but I, I do think he's a better wrestler than anybody, even including Ortiz, that nick that uh nick Lau has fought. And so you're gonna see Nick Lao tested in a way he hasn't been there. And so depending on how that re- results, like you could be saying Nick Lao should have been minus like 350 in hindsight here, or Elliot should have been a favorite. And so, like, my bet on Elliot, it's kind of more in the okay, Elliot's an excellent wrestler who takes pretty much everybody he fights down, including like Davison Figueredo, Demetrius Johnson, like got those guys down. Um, You know, I'm taking a risk that Elliot can get him down and potentially hold him down. If he can't, it's going to look bad. And I will say this, in terms of props, there is a chance, and I mentioned this to you when you and I were talking about this fight, I think – there is a chance that if it does turn into wild scrambles nicolau may just be on a different level jiu-jitsu wise and is able to submit him fairly consistently we'll see so it's a small stab on elliot kind of as a questions answered on nicolau in terms of props what i do like because i am extremely extremely confident that elliot's not knocking him out and i'm also extremely confident that elliot's not submitting him here uh i like the elliot by decision plus 300 i'm going to play that myself uh you know Considering I think that's almost all of his win condition here, I, I'll be on that. Um, but yeah, I'm not like passionate about it. It's a small bet. I just think, you know, I'm getting Tim Elliott to plus 170 against a guy who's never faced a wrestler at this level. I have to take the stab.
0: Uh, when I was putting that information together regarding Tim Elliott and, you know, what his record was as an underdog, uh, could could you line for me or what you think the line was when he fought Ali Tinoff? Do you remember that fight?
1: I don't remember the fight. I would get, I mean, Ali was good. I would guess Bagatinoff 200.
0: <laughs> minus 170, Timelian. Really? <laughs> and obviously, Bagatinoff won that fight.
1: That kind of surprised me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is- was the favorite in that fight? Dude, Bag- I think he fought DJ for the title, didn't he? he i did, yeah. not yeah, yeah, he was pretty good in his day.
0: I have no idea why he was such a you know a moderate underdog to a guy like Timely. But back that's then.
1: why but, we can make Bunny doing this, man. Yeah,
0: right? Exactly. In hindsight, now obviously he looks like a minus minus two hundred. I can't recall you know what my head was thinking when uh he fought him back in two thousand and thirteen. Wow, that was November of two thousand thirteen. Same night, George St. Pierre beat Johnny hendrix Beat Johnny hendrix <laughs>
1: But yeah, you're uh, not allowed I to was- say that in Canada, man. Pre, the, uh, the SS <laughs> is going to come get you if you're not careful. <laughs> (laughs)
0: we are not allowed to speak ill of Mr. GSP all right let's keep this thing moving along brother we got two fights left here next up we got Jared Gordon uh Jared Gooden sorry uh going up against Randy Brown minus 225 for Randy Brown plus plus 185 (laughs) for Jared Gooden um this is clearly one of those spots where it's like you have a much better technical striker and fighter in Randy Brown but you got a guy in Jared Gooden who has absolute crazy knockout power and should be able to go out there and and do some good damage on Randy Brown one thing that I saw that i kind of like from Jared Gooden in his last couple fights is like he is keen for that leg kick and that's one thing i feel will be very important here against a guy like Randy brown who has shown you know in inability to check kicks and you know it takes so much damage and you know i would have loved to see if alex Oliveira did not get clipped by that straight right down the middle and you know get planted on his butt if that fight had continued maybe another two or three minutes on the feet and Oliveira landed a couple more leg kicks how that fight would have turned out right and it didn't even seem like Randy Brown was that comfortable in terms of changing or or changing stances, right? And that's something that uh, you, you got to kind of have if you're willing to let your leg get chewed up. You want to be able to put that lead foot behind you and kind of fight from the southpaw uh, stance or whatever your opposite, opposite stance is, just so that you could kind of know recover that leg a little bit yeah. heal it up a little bit with some time but he just left it out there and luckily for him it worked out because he was able to plant a beautiful cross down the middle to drop alex Oliveira, and then obviously we saw him uh wrap up that neck quickly thereafter I feel as though we'll see a little bit better striking defense here from jared gordon or at least a little bit better ability to kind of take that shot um and if he's able to chew up that lead leg of of randy brown here you know while keeping this fight in this striking room because obviously randy brown i feel like if he wants to to take this into the safest part of his game it would be probably to take this fight to the ground and see if he can stay away from that big power of jared gordon or uh, Jared Gooden sorry I keep saying Gordon god damn it um Jared Gooden right. that okay. that's where I think that uh Brown will have most successful with that said again very good technical striker and I'm kind of just throwing hypotheticals out there in terms of whether Gooden will be successful in terms of implementing that that leg kick and and then getting his hands going his lead hook that he continuously landed on Nicholas Stoltz time and time. he like it kind of reminded me of marching practice against Sam Alvey where Sam Alvey <laughs> just had to land the same fucking strike that's what happened with the Stoltz fight with Gooden Gooden just kept letting that 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 check left hook and it kept landing and then eventually the last one was the one that put Stolce out uh i think brown is hitable. i think his legs are, are are detriment for him if guys are able to go out there and implement a solid leg kicking game which i think good and will do especially if you just look back at the last couple of randy brown fights that's where a lot of people find success and even if you look at Gooden fights that's something that he does he does like kick it's not like i'm just making this up and being like he needs a leg kick if he doesn't like kick, he, he, he kicks kicks so i think that uh but but the best way to play Gooden. And I am predicting him to win. Best way to put him uh, to play him would be the KO prop because he's not winning a decision here, yeah. right? Much better winner, Randy Brown. Much better fighter overall, Randy Brown. But this is MMA at the end of the day, and I have questions about the durability of Randy Brown in this spot. So, uh, And I will say questions about Gooden's durability as well, right? He can be knocked out. He can be finished. So uh, a couple of different ways that I would look to play this. Gooden by knockout is probably the the one that I'll probably pull a trigger on. Under, Excuse me. Alternate total of under 2.5 at minus 125, not too bad of a shot either. Fight doesn't go to decision minus 150, not too bad of a shot either um again brown can knock him out plus 280 uh brown could win a decision plus 240 as well but the one that i'm going to be going well ultimately is good and by knockout uh probably first or second round and again props good and run round one plus 575 good and round two plus 800 or even just straight up if you want to cover as many bases as possible uh in terms of the timing of that finish good and by ko plus 460 plus 400 that's right. i like how are you feeling about this matchup dude yeah
1: in terms of the fight it's a little Obvious, like what like what I like in terms of props. Um, and I don't like obvious stuff like this, especially after not gonna say that I'm not gonna say especially after the main event. Ah. But the under two and a half seems like a bit of a layup here. You know, I see FanDuel's got it at minus 136. If you can get that around minus 150, I think that's a pretty good line. In terms of the fight, I'm I'm pretty bullish on Randy Brown. I'd say more so than the rest of the market is. I I i get it you know there are times where he seems fragile and seems to do stupid shit, but you know the guy's a great athlete he's got an insane reach and he's got a very well-rounded game right you know he's a good submission grappler you know he will wrestle you know when it behooves him to do when he needs to do so and he does manage distance well you know i remember in my early days of betting which i say god time is really like flying but you know i I see some of my (laughs) old bet slips i'm like what 10 years ago (laughs) I parlayed Brian Barbarina against Randy Brown, and I <laughs> that was—I was like, when the fight I, when the fight ended, I was like, what did I? What did you do? Like, yeah. what, what what was that? But like he, like you see, Brown if you're not going to pressure Brown aggressively and you kind of give him the space to get off, he is going to just beat you like a drum in space. You know, he uses his distance. Well, he does a lot of attritional work. You know, those knees and elbows he uses in the clinch are really nice. Uh, I just, you know, it's another one of those things where it's like, if the Abubakar fight didn't happen, I'd probably be interested in Gooden here, but I was pretty sure in that fight, I'm like, if Gooden can keep this fight standing, you know, he's going to be massive value. And then, Abubakar looked his number on the feet, which is really concerning because I don't think Abubakar Nurmagomedov is anywhere near Randy Brown as a striker. And like, I bet Joban against um, Gooden, and that was, you know, that was a great fight, but, you know, Alan Joban's old as well. And I just think Brown's a better fighter than either of those guys at this point. So I think standing, unless... If Gooden can, you know, you touched on an important point that I think is the leg kicks. You know, if Gooden can get off on the kicks early and often, you know, he can maybe change the scope of this fight and really force Brown into some uncomfortable places. But if he can't, I think Brown dunks on him pretty much wherever it goes. I think he's a much better grappler. I think striking-wise, not only is he better defensively, he just has a lot more tools at his disposal than Gooden. You know, Gooden's much more boxing-based and Brown has, you know, a variety of stuff he can throw at you. And so I do think brown should win this fight it's kind of funny because i was like thinking of laying the number if it got under minus 230 and it's there now and then it's just like re-watching the luke fight i bet him against luke and like in that round two i was like he's starting to get off you know he's starting to land his shots and then oh the way it ended it's like what are you doing randy like just keep your hand on the goddamn canvas dude you know But um, I I love the under here because, look, the bottom line is if Gooden does what he needs to do to win this fight, which is probably land kicks and stay in Brown's face, you're going to have a lot of heavy exchanges and Gooden's a pretty big hitter. Someone's probably getting knocked out. And on the other side, you know, Brown finishes most of his wins, you know, whether it's on the mat, if he can sub him from there or on the feet, I think Gooden's pretty hittable and I think he's. He may be fairly fragile. Like he hasn't been knocked out that many times. But I don't know if you noticed it. I don't like the way he reacts to shots that well. To be honest with you, it doesn't seem doesn't seem good. So I do like the under quite a bit here. Uh, I like Randy Brown. I'm probably like if it gets down to minus two hundred under, I'll lay it at that point. Just because I mean, look at the guys that Brown has fought. Even the guys he's beaten versus the guys that Jared Gooden has fought. It's just you know he's shown an ability to hang with guys near the top of the division, whereas jared gooden's shown an ability to kind of keep up with alan joban on minutes um yeah i mean i think brown handles him here but i think the under is by far the best spot
0: i like it i like it um well, what do you think is his best spot to victory though submission for or brown
1: i'd say ko i uh, i mean he could you know that's the thing with brown though and playing method props right because like brown is the kind of guy he could wobble him bad on the feet and then just randomly, you know, suddenly like rear naked choke or just do something stupid, end up with a hurt Gooden on top of him and triangle him, right? You know, that's like, like Brown, it's kind of like dealer's choice, like whatever he's feeling yeah. like in the moment, you know? So I, I guess the gun to my head, I would say KO just because I do think Gooden has reasonable takedown defense. Um, and I do think Brown's going to land heavy pretty often.
0: All right, let's move on to the main event and another opportunity to remind you guys, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then uh, show my guy John some love, follow him on Twitter at MM, MMA Fox, and then obviously check out his own podcast that he does with his guys, Luke and uh, C, who I don't, I don't think I've seen him in a while now, (laughs) uh, and even uh, uh, Legs as well, shout out to my guy Danny Legs as well, Uh, link is in the description below, Club and Sub podcast, Wednesday nights, 10. PM Eastern with these sharp motherfuckers. All right. Let's move on to the main event here. Very binary fight to break down. It's interesting that this is the most binary fight to break down on the card, and it's the main event. We got Mackenzie Dern going off as a minus 175 favorite, plus 155 the return on Marina Rodriguez. Now, I had some, so I am picking Dern. I'll say that right off the bat here. I do think she lands takedowns. I do think she ends up locking up a submission here. I had I released my solo podcast earlier today, and somebody messaged me or has left a comment saying it's weird that you picked Marina Rodriguez against Amanda Hibas, but now you're picking Mackenzie Dern against Marina. Uh, uh, Rodriguez, the the difference here though for me was everybody's kind of love for Heba's striking specifically in that fight. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, she's such a good striker, you know. It's it's she's gonna be fine. It's not like she's a better striker than Rodriguez, but she will be serviceable enough. I'm like, I saw right through that bullshit. It looks nice when she's fighting girls that aren't Marina Rodriguez, <laughs> right? Like, it looks like she has- Like Gage Van Zandt. Yeah. It looks good there. the Marcos. Yeah, it looks good. Like, because it looks flashy, right? It looks like she's doing everything right. But then when she gets punched in the face by somebody that knows how to fucking throw a punch, she don't look so good anymore. Just as we saw in that fight against Marina Rodriguez. Dude, she got knocked out by Pollyanna Biana.
1: Exactly. (laughs) That,
0: That was kind of a huge thing for me where it's like, this girl doesn't like to get punched. She doesn't like to get touched up on the feet. And now she's fighting the best striker she's ever fought. No, not happening. And Amanda Hebos did get her da- down to the ground in that first round, had tremendous success, but co- p- couldn't pull off a submission. What I'm trying to get to is Mackenzie Dern, in my opinion, is a much better BJJ specialist than what Amanda Hebus brings to the table. Gonna drag this fight to the ground. I think it all, it might only take one takedown for Mackenzie Dern in this situation. I do think that her chin and her durability is good enough to deal with the striking of Marina Rodriguez. You know, she's not this crazy one punch KO type of person. Like she did good damage against Amanda Hebas. But again, I think that was Amanda Hebas drinking her own Kool-Aid, thinking that she's a decent enough striker and then gets fucking starched. Whereas Mackenzie Dern, she knows that's her weak point. She's working with Jason Pearl to try to um, fix that. Not saying that she's going to be competitive in the striking realm of this fight, but competitive enough or at least serviceable enough to eventually close that distance and drag this fight to the ground i want to give a big shout out to our guy ufo ufc john martian that guy he put out a little like a little thread about this fight in regards to you know who is in more danger in the other person's realm right is mckenzie in more danger being in the striking realm than you know uh rodriguez is on the ground i think that Dern. You know, uh, sorry, I think that Rodriguez is going to be in way more danger once this fight hits the ground because she can finish the fight, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty easily. And we've talked about this on a week to week basis, John. Grappling is much more lower variance than what you're getting with striking. You're expecting Marina Rodriguez to throw the perfect punch, perfect precision, perfect timing, perfect speed, all that type of shit to land a good enough shot on M- Mackenzie Dern to eventually put her out. Whereas once during drags this fight to the ground, she has all these options open up for her. And uh, yeah, I, I think that within the first two rounds of this fight, we're going to see Dern drag this fight to the ground and lock up a submission. She doesn't she doesn't rush anything. And, and that Nina Nuna's fight was perfect, right? She got the takedown, you know, maybe what, three minutes into the, or yeah. two minutes into that round and took her time setting up that armbar and eventually got the armbar here. And I think we're going to see the same thing here. So I like Dern. Dern by Sub is obviously the best way to go about it, uh, which is currently sitting at plus 100. But I will throw a, a conspiracy theory out there mackenzie turn via TKO at plus 1200 when you're on the ground ground and pound or submission is open for you if you if rodriguez is doing a good enough job in terms of kind of defending the rear naked choke there is an option that mackenzie turn could kind of you know flatten her out throw a couple strikes and get a gmp finish i kind of took that kind of thinking with the uh what was it the um of insane Prue against Alonzo Menafield fight, right? A lot of people are taking the subs like, oh, that's the best way he wins this fight. But I'm like, if he gets it down, he could probably TKO him. But he didn't even need that. Fucking beautiful check left hook fade away. Uh, get, Gets Alonzo Menafield out of there. So it doesn't cash the way that I was expecting it to cash. But we'll see if it happens this weekend. With that said, if I am betting this fight, which I'm not doing with serious money, <laughs> I would take uh during by sub in this situation at plus 100 just you know again being conspiracy theorists throwing out that TKO at plus 1200 it's definitely worth a shot whenever you have somebody that has as much grappling dominance as they should as uh Mackenzie M- Dern is going to have in this situation so yeah I got Dern, Dern by sub first two rounds plus 100 on the sub give me give me some thoughts on marina rodriguez do you think she she has a shot here uh and then ultimately who do you think wins and what are the best props for this fight yeah
1: i mean i think she has a shot yeah i think it's a pretty complicated fight if i'm being honest to break down I, like the on, on paper it's obviously very straightforward dern by sub or can marina ko her before she gets up right but like yeah. i bet nina big against dern and it was largely because it was like dern's a bad wrestler um I think the odds of her really subbing Nina are quite low. And obviously I was wrong about that as it turned out, but, and don't get me wrong. The takedown against Nina was very nice, but I'm not really ready to say that like Dern is like a wrestler on the level of like a Carlos Barza or even a wrestler on the level of random Marcos right now, Rodriguez doesn't have great takedown defense, but I do think, you know, Dern's going to have to time her in. She's right in there because she's going to have to shoot him low. Because I think if she tries to take Marina down from the clinch, things are going to go south in a hurry for her. Uh, Marina is super dangerous from that position. You know, we saw Tisha try to do that, and that did not go well. Um, and to be honest, before the answer off fight, I would have said Tisha's a better wrestler than Dern. The question is how much credit can I assign her for one takedown, right? and that And that's a complicated question. It's like I thought I liked how it looked but at the same time, it's like, I have a lot of the same reservations about Dern's wrestling that I had before that fight. And I don't get the feeling with Dern that she has the tools that if she gets put on the back foot, she's going to be able to set off takedowns from the back foot. That's a very hard thing to do. And I just don't think her wrestling is at that level. So like, there's a lot going on in my mind about the fight. Cause I do sort of agree. I don't want to say one takedown and the fight is over, but there's a decent chance, right? Like, Dern's arguably the best female Jiu-Jitsu practitioner ever. Like you touched on a really important point that is, and you saw it in the Marcos fight too, right? When she gets a position on the mat, she doesn't rush it. She has a plan. She knows she's thinking, it's like chess. She's thinking eight moves ahead of what she needs to do here. And she's going step-by-step to get there. It's very, very, even though their style of Jiu-Jitsu, like Maya is more back-taking, she's more of a guard Jiu-Jitsu type player. It's very similar. Like you can see Maya when he's going from one position to the next. And that's a level that most people just don't operate on. Um, and so maybe it is only one take then and she subs her but then it's like this thought creeps in my head it's like well what if she doesn't like you know what if she just rides around on top and finishes around it's like how many takedowns can i really project her in to get here because if her wrestling has improved dramatically and she can hit takedowns at will well then she's minus a thousand right then we should be just throwing our whole fucking bankrolls on her but i'm not ready to say you know my opinion changed slightly. I think she's clearly worked on her wrestling. I'm not ready to say I think she's a good wrestler, though. You know, and so it's like, is that enough? And it might be, but I also think as wide as the gap is on the mat, is as wide as the gap is on the feet here. You know, while they're on the feet, she is going to get beaten like a drum by Marina. Um, and as I touched on, I have real concerns what happens to Dern when she gets put on the back foot. You know, is she going to be able to close distance? I don't really think so. I haven't seen. You know the requisite tools you need to close distance off your back foot and set up a takedown in the open mat um so yeah it's complicated because it's like <laughs> the grappling differential is so wide here but also i'm not really a hundred percent convinced that Durin can get it there when i'm actually i'm convinced she can't get there whenever she wants i'm not a hundred like she basically needs the timer takedowns early enough in rounds to give herself enough time to work and finish this fight um <sighs> All of that said, it's like it's so hard to like strongly back Marina just because you know there is that huge gap. And so I guess picking the fight, I guess in my head, I'm like the lines it's probably lined appropriately. Um I think the subline could maybe be even even shorter, to be honest with you. Like if you're gonna bet Marina, uh, if you have DraftKings, they have those decision-only props, and I'm guessing she's probably gonna be. You know, probably plus one fifty plus one twenty-five there. I don't hate that. Um, or better inside Sorry, the distance. What
0: when you say decision only prop, is that like no scorecards?
1: Yeah. So it's no scorecards, but reversed. It's only basically if so there's if no it ends
0: inside the distance.
1: If it ends inside push. distance, it's a wash. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's fairly, it's fairly new in the last like couple months. Um, and so I think that's an interesting angle in terms of what I'd play though, that's widely available uh you know i agree with you about Durn by sub what i think could be interesting is playing instead of just taking the sub prop plus at plus 100 taking her in round one and round two uh which is i believe i'm looking at it you have during round one is around depending on the book anywhere from plus 300 to plus 450 and during by sub in round two is about plus 700 and so i'd almost rather do that because i do kind of think if it turns out marina can get through those first two rounds she's not getting through 10 minutes on the mat, right? If she's on the mat for 10 minutes, she's getting finished here. Uh, So if she gets through two rounds, it's because she's getting enough top time. And if she's getting enough time on standing, she's probably going to damage Dern a lot and either finish her or... I don't rate Dern's wrestling particularly highly already. After two rounds in the cage with Marina, I don't really think her chances to get the takedown are going to increase later in this fight. And so I think her submission chances are fairly front-loaded. So I prefer to take during sub round one during sub round two um in terms of prop for the whole fight I would just take the under four and a half it's minus 230 but you know Dern's best path to victory is a finish and she's a 60 percent implied favorite here uh and on the feet you know Marina cracks man you know like you touched on all the stuff with Reebok so she hits hard and If she, Dern is a punching bag against a good striker, and so if she is not getting takedown, she is going to get teed off on here. So I'd rather lay the chalk there than lay the chalk there and play like Dern sub one, Dern sub two, than try to get too creative with it
0: i will say the most success that we saw waterson have in that last fight was round four yeah Managed yeah just for about three minutes of of control time in that fight so i'm not completely writing off the ability to drag the fight to the ground and the later that this fight goes but again if 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 she is having success with takedowns she will likely have gotten a sub early in this fight right
1: that, that yeah absolutely 100.
0: Yeah, i agree with that all right so that's pretty much a wrap on the breakdowns here we'll get over to the uh best prop bets. I do have Cody's as well. So let's just quickly get into this.
1: I think I did pretty well last week. Uh
0: I, I forgot to fucking check the ones that we actually <laughs> did. I honestly forgot to check. Did, do you recall what your what I your know I had Gordon for, right? and I know
1: I had Hernandez by KO, but I don't remember what the uh what my third was.
0: Fuck. Let me let me see if I can quickly remember. I think I had a DeAndraj KO, which obviously came through, I think.
1: Very easily.
0: Um what was the other one? Gordon by decision, I think. Yep. Yeah, I, I can't recall off the top of my head. I'm sure I had Santos by KO as well or something. But again, we're not talking about that fucking fight. <laughs> <All right. laughs> let's, let's pull up these uh, three best prop bets for you guys. But just a reminder for you guys, tomorrow evening, Ultimate Weigh-In Show. And... I'm going to have a guest on you guys aren't very familiar with. Uh, his name is Brandon All of Us. Uh, he actually does. He's a, a or former amateur MMA fighter. Six and three record. He ha- ended up uh, sustaining some sort of hand injury, a nerve injury in his hand. And is not able to fully close his hand or something like that. So he ended up not competing and going on with a professional MMA career. But he does his betting show with uh, with Santino DeFranco, former uh, uh, guest of the show as well. Fight Ready head coach over there as well. Uh, they do a show together on Santino channel Channel betting and bets and all that type of stuff, but I've been talking with him for over the, over the last couple weeks, and the guy—he's he, a high roller, let's put it that way. The guy bets heavy on fights. he He's very confident, has a lot of good spots that he's been betting. He mainly does all of his stuff on Instagram, so if you guys want to go follow him over there, I believe it's just his name spelled out like that. And for some reason, it's an N or it's an A at the end of Brandon. I've never seen that in my life before, so it's Brandon all of us uh so make sure you guys go follow him on instagram but he will be on the show tomorrow evening again very uh high level guy studies all the tape he he does this full time pretty much and he makes a good chunk of money off of it as well not tracked so don't throw him through the mud through that type of shit but uh i remember i tweeted out yesterday when i or last week when i lost my and i play on the fight doesn't go to decision on the main event of the last fight um and i'm like officially down on the night and uh even with untracked bets uh taken into consideration and he messages me right back he goes the only thing that matters is money in your account at the end of the day fuck this untracked, you know and i'm like i get it i completely understand it. he doesn't really understand the the track nature of things or selling bets but he doesn't sell bets or, or picks or anything like that so I, I can't knock him for that either but the guy knows what he's talking about uh he actually fought Carlos Hernandez, who fought this past week on a contender series, and he had a pretty hefty wager on him as well, and it looks like it came through for him. All right, uh, so tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Brandon Olivas is going to be joining me. Make sure you guys tune in for that. All right, let's get into the actual bets here. So I'll kick things off as always. Nicolau via sub, plus 420. That's where I'm going to be going with my first best bet. I think we'll see Elliot stick that neck out, and I think we'll see Nicolau take it on home with him. Uh, but I do think that Nicolau could still win this fight even if he doesn't get the submission there but I do like that I feel like that definitely stood out to me the most. Next up, uh Kolarish via decision plus 420. Again, I like that 420 number as you guys know, but I do like <laughs> Kolarchev to go out there and and just grapple fuck Chris Gutierrez here. Don't give him the space that he requires to re- truly get his game going, which is that calf kicking game, and if you take away the calf kicking game of Chris Gutierrez, I don't think he even comes close to that minus minus 250 range that he's currently at. So plus 420 on Kolarish via decision. <laughs> Lastly, I'm going to go with win via decision as well, plus 470. Again, uh, I think that the line, uh, the money line is way too wide to begin with. I do have a half unit stab on him on the money line at plus 260, but I think his best win condition is that decision. So plus 470, I'm going to be taking a shot on that as well. So some nice juicy little props there for you guys. Um, Maybe a little bit more long shots than what you guys are going to be seeing from John and Cody in a second here, but I feel like they have a pretty good damn shot of hitting. John. Let's get on over to you, bro. Yeah.
1: So, first up, I got Elliot via decision. Like I said, (laughs) completely head to head there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not like super, super confident in Elliot, but I do think the line's a bit wide. And I think there's enough questions about Nikolaus' defensive wrestling and whether what his getup game looks like to justify a bet on Elliot. And if I'm going to justify a bet on Elliot, I'm very confident he's not subbing Matthias Nikolaus. So, I'd much rather take the decision line here, plus 275. Uh, Yeah. Next up, I got the by decision as well. That's minus 105. The reality is she hasn't knocked out anybody in her entire career. She has a decent submission game, but I think Juarez has, you know, a, enough defensive grappling. She's probably not going to get submitted here. And in terms of the fight itself, I think Godinia just has her class everywhere personally. So I've taken the decision there. And then last up, I got the Rosa Jackson. Fight goes to decision, minus 150. Bit juicy for my taste, but to be honest, you know, I think everybody expects, you know, Damon Jackson to look to wrestle, probably get roasted down like everybody does. And if he does... Look, Charles Rosa, whatever you want to say about his defensive grappling, the guy has elite submission defense. He's almost certainly not getting subbed. I actually think the majority of the finish equity is in Rosa's favor in this fight, and so, yeah, I think Jackson's going to win the fight, and I think, you know, goes the distance is probably 70 75%, and we're getting 60% implied here.
0: I like it. I do want to quickly shout out Joe Rogan's forehead wrinkles, who let me know what my picks were last week. Perez via decision, obviously finishes him in the second round. Circonov. Can't get any of his grappling going. And then Santos, again, we're not talking about that fucking fight. That fight never happened. All right, let's get on over to Cody's uh, three best bets that he has or three best prop bets that he has. Uh, some of them fall in line with what Sean had as well. First and foremost, Gutierrez and Claris goes to decision minus 180. That's for the uh, spot that he likes, I'm assuming. You know, he sees that grapple fucking from either guys and obviously the uh the collage the durability which is shown through in all of his fights. Next up he has Rosa Jackson fight goes to decision as well, minus 150. And then lastly, he has Brown V decision at plus two fifty. I think he goes out there and outpoints Jared good in over 15 minutes. So there you guys go. Three best prop bets for me, John and Cody. Uh John on the back end here, anything you want to say before we sign off.
1: Yeah, just check us out Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, In terms of this weekend, guys, enjoy the show. It's not the best for betting ever. If you want to degen a bit, that's cool. Don't put too much money down. What you should do, though, make some bacon, make some eggs, make some mimosas. 1.30 p.m. card is a great excuse to J-drink. I hope you guys enjoy it
0: exactly that's a, that's the best way to put it. i love these early cards 1 1 30 p.m eastern start time uh you know wake and bake and then go on oh, yeah. from there i will be doing my fight day live chat probably at 11 a.m so make sure you guys check
1: that out you going right up to the card huh yeah exactly yeah you know what it is you know what it is
0: um i appreciate you guys checking out the show as always make sure you guys hit that like hit that subscribe then go on over and show my guy uh, john some love with his podcast which is the club and sub podcast wednesday nights 10 p.m eastern link is in the description or below for the channel and he is always joined by luke from sparring with reality betting legs the capper and sometimes C, which again don't know where he is i, I don't know what's <laughs> going on with that guy regardless i uh, appreciate you guys appreciate you guys checking out the show and i'll see you guys tomorrow night for uh the ultimate Win show with brandon Olivas on the back end here war nicolau even though i know my guy john is on tim elliott in the spot but then again you know what as war long as they're on win. win wins i'm warwin cool exactly <laughs> war win. Let's fucking go. all right we'll see you i'll see you guys tomorrow for the ultimate wayne show take it easy